Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. And as always, you can see that I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Ann DeSantis. Uh, we are once again uh, here in wrapping up this series on our book uh, that we co-authored together called Hearts Burning Within Us. And so, Ann, how are you today? I'm doing great. I've been loving this series, too, because, you know, we wrote this book. It's called Hearts Burning Within Us back in 2021. And this is the first time we've done a podcast series on it. And so I love the fact that we're able to kind of continue to have these these discussions on those important and burning questions of faith that young people have, you know, college age students have. Yeah. And so that's what we're devoting this podcast to. Yeah. And on this one, this is part four of the book and part four is growing in faith. And so we've during this podcast series, this is the fourth of four podcast is that we talked about the different sections of our book. And if you haven't bought the book yet, I want to make that invitation to all of you to go to patchworkheart.org and purchase this book. You can get also get it on Amazon. And it was written by both Bill and myself and also two other authors. Their names are Maggie Riggins and Jennifer Oakley. Her name before getting married was Jennifer Southerton. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love this topic of growing in faith, Bill, don't you? Yeah, and just real uh, quickly, you mentioned Amazon. And for some reason, I was jumping over there the other day and checked out the book price. And uh, right now, Amazon has it for like uh, $4 off. So you can get the book for like 10 bucks. Ordinarily, uh, we sell it on our website for 15 or 14.99, uh, And it's just above 10 right now on Amazon. So, uh, you know, encourage you to go over there to Amazon and buy it for some reason. They have discounted the, you know, the copy of the book. So that's that's great. They do what they want with their pricing. We do what we want with ours. Um, but right now, uh, it's it's uh, a little cheaper. So go over there, especially for the holiday season. If you know a college student that's coming up, uh, I know we haven't hit Halloween yet. We're not supposed to talk about the holiday season, you know, before Halloween. But here we are. Uh, so and they have it on discount. So you know, get it, uh, get it, get it in your hands and, uh, give it to a loved one. Cause it's, it's really important that, uh, you know, we continue to share the faith and grow in faith our whole life, right? Yes. Yes. Grow, growing in faith for your whole life is a topic, not just for college age students. It's for all of us, isn't it? And I think that this book is geared for that age group, but even for anyone who's outside of the age group older than that, I think it's definitely appropriate really for anyone. So, um, if you're interested in getting the book, please do take a look at Amazon for Hearts Burning Within Us. Now, one of the chapters in this section I thought would be a great discussion for us. It's called Building a Desire for Mass. And the question in the book, I'm just going to go to right to it. So I will be reading admittedly. It says, how can I build a desire to go to mass and practice my faith? And it the answer that we gave now, it's kind of a long answer, but I'm going to read a little bit of it. It says your interest in building a desire for going to mass is exciting and you're not alone in your pursuit. College is most likely the first time in your life when you were in charge of this decision in your life. Do I go to mass or not? And then there's a lot more that we discuss 
in the chapter, which I won't give it away, but one of the things that we talked about was the beauty of the Eucharist. And it's funny because during this time, this is a time in our Catholic Church and in a lot of the archdiocese and dioceses where there is a reinvesting in catechesis on the Holy Eucharist. And what we did write in this book, I am going to read this one part. Uh, the answer that we gave was that one reason I am motivated to attend Mass every week without fail is that I'm convinced without a shadow of doubt that the Eucharist really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. And it says this also, consider this, Catholicism is the only religion on the planet that believes that their God is physically present perpetually on the earth with them. And not only does he desire to be worshipped and adored in the tabernacle, but he desires to become one with you in the reception of communion. So I do think that's a beautiful topic. Uh, Bill, I don't know if you had anything to say about that, because I believe that you might have been part of that chapter. Now, all of us had like <laughs> a little bit of, um, you know, we, we divided up these sections where some of us were had a little bit more of a role in certain areas. Like we had morality, we had church teaching, we had evangelization, and we had uh, another area. And I believe that, Bill, you had church teaching, so I didn't know if you had anything on that to say. Yeah, you know, um, well, I mean, I think uh, when we were authoring the book, um, I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, Maggie said, uh, you know, if you have a little bit to add on the Eucharist here, it might be appropriate. Uh, you know, we add a lot on the Eucharist in different uh, segments throughout this book. I mean, there's there's not one direct question um, that that the kids had about the Eucharist. You know, is it really the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus? But um, but because it is the source and summit of our faith, as the Catechism talks about, uh, we as authors of the book uh, wove that through many of the different questions, and, and this was one of them uh, when they were talking about building a desire to go to Mass. And there's such a Unfortunately, there's such a need, and Anne, you kind of highlighted it right there, you know, about the, you know, the church focusing in on the, uh, the Eucharistic revival that is going on currently, you know, church-wide in the United States, because we need to have a deeper understanding and awareness of what, um, the, you know, what the Eucharist is, which is truly Jesus. So when uh, Maggie was writing this question, and there's some really good points in there, I want to bring them out as well, but she, she touches on the perspective, the role, the community, right, that we experience, and then, of course, grace in the Eucharist, and then finally adult responsibility. So those are the kind of the areas that we look at uh, for building the desire to go to Mass, but uh, when it came to the Eucharist in particular, I had uh, the privilege of actually traveling to Italy uh, and seeing the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano with my own two eyes. And so there's nothing that can um, anyone can do that can um, convince me otherwise. There's not a person on the planet uh, that can tell me that uh, what I saw was, you know, fake or whatever. Uh, I saw it with my own two eyes, um, and it was an unbelievable amazing encounter that I had with Christ in the Eucharist. And so um, I like to talk about the Eucharistic miracles. Um, I, I, I highlight that in the book. I encourage anybody um, to go over to realpresence.org uh, if they're looking for that. There's like over 200 or 300 documented Eucharistic miracles that they highlight on their on their website. Uh, there have probably been countless more throughout history, but um, these are the ones that have been documented and followed and studied by the Vatican. 
Uh, and it's amazing. It's beautiful. Uh, we have saints like Carlo Acutis who have dedicated, who dedicated their, his young life uh, before he passed away to uh, the Eucharist and creating websites like this. So uh, there is so much uh, importance placed on the Eucharist. Uh, and if we understand what it is, why would we want to miss Mass? You know, I, why we want to miss Mass when, uh, when we know that this is a God who comes into our lives so intimately, so perfectly, um, you know, in, in communion, right? He says, here, I am the perfect one. You know, I am going to fill all of your imperfections. I am, you know, coming, coming to you because I desire to be with you. And I don't just desire to be with you, you know, one day in heaven. Yes, absolutely I do. You know, I, I want you united perfectly, completely with me in heaven one day. But right now I desire to be with you. And that's that's the beauty of the Eucharist, right? Now we have to be in the state of grace, and we have to do all of those things, you know, you know, to to receive communion. We're not, and we, you know, I mean, we certainly talk about that in the book as well. But having an understanding of that, this really is Jesus, and that uh, when when we are are in relationship and communion with Him, He can powerfully come into our lives, you know, each and every day, right? Every day we can receive communion. That's what the church says, you know. Now, is that the, is that the, uh, what do I want to say? The, the, you know, the, the, the case for the average college student? Probably not. Maybe with some, um, you know, the, the amazing college students that are going to Mass every day at Franciscan University or Ave Maria University or some of those really awesome Catholic colleges. But uh, this book was targeted toward maybe some of those college students that are kind of weaving in and out of their faith life and whatnot uh, to spark that. So, uh, having that understanding, having that, um, you know, amazing experience of Jesus in the Eucharist and having a little bit of wonder and awe, I think, drives us to go to Mass, right? Uh, it's the number one reason why I attend Mass. It's not because of the homily. It's not because of the music. It's not because of anything else but communion. Now, all those things are nice, and if they, if they um, you know, are good, right, like if the music's good and the priest gives a good homily, that's nice, but it's not the reason I go to Mass. I go to Mass for Jesus uh, in the Eucharist and to be one with Him in Holy Communion. Uh, so that's that's my, um, you know, kind of feeling on it. I think, uh, you know, throughout the book, of course, we encourage kids to participate in Mass, right? That's another big thing we talk about in the book is to participate in the Mass. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Actually be a lector or be part of the music ministry on your college campus. Uh, go do these things actively on your campus. Um, and you will feel much more a part of things, and uh, there are so many different um, areas in which you can participate, you know, as a as a layperson in the Mass. Well said, and, and I think it's also timely because we have something special to share. <laughs> Bill and I have something very special to share about our ministry having to do with this topic, and it doesn't matter when you're listening to this podcast, even though we're taping it in October 2022, because in December of 2022, we are doing a Eucharistic summit on December 6th, 7th, and 8th. It is a virtual summit with 20 awesome Catholic authors and speakers, including Bishop William Byrne. So that's going to be amazing. And you can sign up for it, register for it, actually on the website for the foundation that I represent. That's at nonatus.org. We have a registration button there. And it is a virtual summit. So basically, you're going to hear talks from all of these wonderful speakers. Some of them are 
Kendra Von Esch and Bishop William Byrne and Gary Zimak and Allison Jingris and more, many more than that, um, all talking about their love of the Eucharist and talking about ways that you can love Jesus more in the Eucharist and also to catechize others and help to bring others back to Mass and understanding why it's important to really, as Bill said, to really partake in the Eucharist each week. And if you can, more than that. So please do check that out. Register for our summit. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're watching this podcast in 2022 and you're able to register for the summit right now because it is a virtual summit. The videos are going to be available after the fact. So if you're watching this later on, be sure to go to Patchwork Heart on YouTube, Patchwork Heart Ministry or patchworkradio.org to be able to watch that summit. And it's also going to be on the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation Facebook page and on our pages too at nonatus.org. So um, I think we're going to move on to another question in the book, which I think that was our goal with this podcast, to just kind of talk about some of those questions. And another one is keeping schoolwork and faith life in balance. And the the question itself is, how does one balance and prioritize, prioritize schoolwork and faith life? And some of our answer, I won't read it all, but we'll discuss it, is, It says, how do I find the time? You already have so many commitments with classes, clubs, athletics, homework, employment. How on earth do you fit faith into your life? St. Francis is quoted in saying, let us find God in the midst of so much business. How do we do that? So let's unpack that a little bit, Bill. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, um, man, if you, I'll I'll just tell you, if you're a college kid out there uh, and and, and you think you're busy, wait till you have a 17 month old. Uh, you know, that's, that's all I have to say, right? <laughs> uh, because, because then, uh, then you'll truly be busy, uh, chasing them around the house, uh, and only doing work when they take naps like me. Uh, but no, it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's one of the most difficult things to do in this world, um, is to avoid distraction. Right. And I think, you know, all the shiny things of the world, you know, it's, it's so easy for us. You know, we have attention spans that are like five seconds. We go, Ooh, shiny thing, new thing. I'm going to get that. And that's Satan's MO. He knows that if he, he can keep you distracted from what is truly important in life, then you end up, um, you end up, uh, just going down, the the path of pleasure at some point we really have to examine in in our hearts what is important and follow that now if our faith is important to us you know it it goes to number one on the list you know the the first commandment is i am the lord your god you shall have no other gods beside me yet how many gods do we place in front of the one true God, right? Well, you know, my uh, schoolwork is really important, or my athletics are really important, or watching athletics is really important, right? Uh, I'm a huge Phillies fan, and I know you're a big Phillies fan. <laughs> the Phillies are headed to the World Series this, uh, this week, which is awesome. But if I place that ahead of going to church, I put my idol there. I, You know, if I place that ahead of you know, the importance of God in my life, anything, any person or anything that you place ahead of that is, uh, it, it, 
is, you know, breaking the first commandment. And so that's, that's my take on it. You know, incorporate your faith into your daily life, right? In the midst of the busyness, in, incorporate your faith. Um, I, I, I remember, um, you know, shooting the Long Ride Home television series with Bear Wozniak a few years ago uh, before the pandemic began. And we would be traveling and going and we would just be, you know, be working, filming and shooting video and audio out on the road. And what would we do? We would pray the rosary in between the, you know, you know, on, on the way in the car, you know, to the different areas and the different shoots. We, we, you can be busy, but you can have holy conversation. You can spend 10 minutes at night, uh, you know, reading a, a, you know, book that is, you know, spiritually uplifting versus, you know, sitting there for another 10 minutes on your smartphone. There are ways you can incorporate your daily life and finding the balance, right? Uh, so that you can be effective in the world, but not of the world. And that is, you know, just something for me, I think. But I know, Anne, I'm sure you have perspective on this as well, because you have, um, you know, you're, you're, you have much older children and uh, you, you probably see uh, it from a totally different angle as well. Yes, um, I do think that when actually I'm going to backtrack a little bit on something here. Uh, because Bill and I did a whole series on parenting, a podcast series through this podcast, the Sewing Ho podcast. If you haven't heard that, please do go to the YouTube channel because there's a playlist there for our parenting series. It was very good because we covered parenting from all the way from the very beginning, even before the child is born until adulthood. And we did 10 podcasts on it. But one of the things that I stressed during the entire series, which, Bill, you probably remember this, is that um, catechizing and teaching your kids about their faith is something that you start very early. And and I think for me, my experience of why did both of my kids keep their faith when they went off to college? And I think, I really honestly think it didn't have that much to do with me. Maybe good decisions, but not with me per se. The good decisions were that I made a decision when they were babies to start teaching them about where they came from and 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 heaven and Jesus and the saints and just, you know, not to pound it into their heads to a point where they just became uninterested in it, but try to make it something fun so that by the time they got into the teen years and then even to the college years, it was so much a part of who they were that losing their faith was going to be you know, not as common for somebody like them. And, and they didn't lose their faith, thank God. But that's what this book is really about. And as Bill said, we have people, obviously there's different levels of, of colleges, right? And, and college experiences. And sometimes uh, Catholics that, that decide to go to the Steubenville, you know, to St. Francis uh, University in, in Steubenville, Ohio, the Franciscan University, or Ave Maria University. Um, we geared this book for students who are really searching for their faith and maybe are struggling a little bit. Um, but I would just say that uh, my experience as a parent was that, um, and I say speak to all parents out there, is it's never too late. So even though I started pretty young with my kids, beginning to, to show your interest in your own faith is the best way to evangelize your children. 
And so if you're a parent, even of a college age student, when your child sees that you care more about your faith, you know, that's an important way to evangelize them. And so that's, that's kind of my take on it. Now, and one last question that Bill, I thought we could discuss is uh, when being a good person is not good when, when it is not good enough. And in our book, we say, I'm just going to read what it says. Why is it not enough just to be a good person? And we begin by saying the the word good can mean different things in different circumstances. When thought of in a theological context, we see this word in the creation story in Genesis. God declares the world good and very good, thus categorizing his creation in a way that signifies its essence, reality, and foundational truth. Creation is good in its ontological sense, its design and intent to show God's glory and power. Human beings and creation are inherently good because of our creation. I'm not going to read the whole entire thing, but what we talk about in this chapter is that we have to look at goodness in terms of what is God's definition of goodness. Right, Bill? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the word to use is relativism, right? Like, you know, what is uh, good for you? in the world, like the world teaches, oh, you know, my truth, right? So, so they say things like, um, it's my truth, but it's not yours. Well, there's really one truth. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, we hear that all the time. And so what is, what is good, right? Like we have to, def- we have to have parameters for what is good. And it's just like any sporting event or any, uh, competition. If you don't have rules, no one can win. Right. Let's just be very, very honest. Like if you do not have rules and a set of guidelines, nobody can win. And you you have to have a structure in which good is defined. And let's I can be you know real frank with you. The human history has been trying to define that since its beginning. And every major religion Islam, Judaism, Christianity, um, and even non-religions, right? Like state governments, they def- they have a definition of what is acceptable good behavior and what is not acceptable good behavior. And this has been going on since the beginning beginning of time. However, recently we've been seeing in society an absolute chaos. And why? Because the rules don't apply anymore. To people, you know, it's like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I can go in and I can shoplift five, five hundred dollars worth of stuff and not get caught. I can do this. I can do that. I can the, the, the structure of what is good has to be defined. And the church and the Catholic Church believes that that like all religions too that they're their set of guidelines to live by is the is the way that we define what is true and good and the things that fall outside of that are not so when we look at what is what is good and what it means to be a good person you know um, what standards are we are we using to measure good as as Ann said what are we doing to measure good where what is the what is the benchmark because just saying i'm a good person but 
yeah, I, uh, I'm a good person, but yeah, I've, uh, but I'm stealing, you know, $700 TVs from Walmart just because I can during all this looting in California or wherever it is, or I'm doing this, I'm doing that. What, what is that? And, and is there a, and is there a common uh, set of rules and guidelines that we are following, or is there not? And I'll just challenge you as a, as a young adult, as a, as a college student, if you're watching this, that right now there is so much dissension and discord because what, we, what, what they say, I mean, I, I don't know what college campus you attend, but I know that some college campuses have free speech bubbles. Where only where you have to stand inside that bubble if you want to speak your mind out. We can't have a discourse of people who disagree with us. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. Right? I don't know I don't know about you, but I mean, does that sound like a free society? Does that sound like a society that that, that God, you know, wants us to have? Where we can talk about our truth inside this bubble? <laughs> I don't think that's the way God intended this to take place. I don't think that that's good, um, because it because it goes against the the definitions in our belief about what is good. So, uh, yeah, I mean uh, that's what I think, Ann. No, you had lots to say there, and I I agree with what you're saying because there has to be parameters, right? And we have to be able to have some kind of catechesis that we can. Uh, reach to and study and learn and understand why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe. And I'll just end this little part of the discussion by saying that I think when we look at that whole idea of what does it mean to be a good person is that as Catholics, of course, we can say to ourselves, what is a good Catholic? Is it someone who goes to mass every week? Is it someone who receives the sacraments? Is it someone who follows the 10 commandments of the church and the precepts of the church? And the answer to those questions is yes, that's part of it. But the other part of it is, and I think we did cover this in our book, it's um, it's not only a rule following, but it's also the way that we treat other people, the way that we interact with people. You know, some some people in the Catholic Church don't like to use the word nice person because they they feel that that is not a relevant word for our faith, that it doesn't matter if someone is nice. It doesn't matter the demeanor. And that's the way I look at it. Nice to me, nice is demeanor. Whereas good is actually the, the the following of God, right? The doing and following God's commandments and being and truly doing good and avoiding evil. So nice is not really that. Nice is a demeanor. But I do think, and personally, I do think that it has a role in evangelization. Because if all we do are following our faith, but we're grumpy about it, we're not nice about it. We seem kind of, uh, we, there's no joy about us. We, there is no niceness about us. It certainly doesn't help for us to make the world a better place when there's no smile, there's no greeting, and there's no care, you know. And sometimes even in the Catholic Church, we can fall into wanting to be popular. We can fall in, in into in a little holy huddle only with our own friends and excluding other people who need to have outreach, who need to know that someone cares, you know. And Bill, I know you know I wrote the book in 2021, uh, Love and Care for the Marginalized, and you know, in our in our book, one of the things that we wrote in this chapter on the same discussion uh, in Hearts Burning Within Us, we say that being a good person in light of making outreach to the marginalized 
caring about people in big and small ways, and simply living a virtuous life is very important. The problem or confusion arises when we equate goodness with holiness, which is ultimately what we are called to be. Contemplate on how God is calling you to be virtuous in all circumstances. He's always speaking to us through prayer and discernment. And so I think that was a good answer to that question, because I do certainly think in evangelization, especially for college age students, they don't want to see religious people who are into their faith that just seem like they never can have any fun. Everything is so serious and there's never any balance between following the faith. You know, people who really love God, they are happy people and they love everyone. And they're not people who are afraid to talk to the loner Mm. or the one that doesn't have friends or the one that isn't dressed right or the one Mm. that's parents don't have a lot of money or the one that just doesn't have a circle of friends to hang out with or seems kind of out of place. Oh, And so that's my opinion. Oh, no, and I do think it's a way for us to be better Catholics is that we have to add two and two together. Right. Catechesis and being kind and. I'm going to say it. And like I said, I know some people agree, but I do think that being nice also has a role. Yeah. And, you know, I, the, the, the attractiveness is something that's so important, you know, to attract people. Matthew Kelly said that in one of his books, um, that holiness is attractive. It's not something that pushes people away. Right. Uh, And if we, and if we are not attracting, if we're not happy, if we're not joyful, if we're living our faith, you know, with a sourpuss, you know, kind of attitude all the time, oh, I have to do this. This is such a burden. Oh, my gosh. Like, then then why? You know, G- Jesus says, you know, that his that that the burden is light that my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Like live that live that scripture out, live his words out that, you know, we all go through junk. Every single one of us goes through junk in life. There's not a person that avoids it. Um, you know, we have bad situations that occur to us all the time. But being joyful and recognizing that Christ is walking with us uh, through that enables us to be happy. It enables us to have those moments of joy um, it amidst, you know, the def- you know, difficulties and suffering in life. Nobody gets to escape that. So, I think um, you're definitely spot on. You know, if you're walking, and maybe you're a Catholic listening to this, and you're like, oh, yeah, I have been kind of living my faith just by, you know, being a sourpuss dude all the time. And you're like, start start smiling, start welcoming, start, you know, caring, um, and, and bringing people into the faith. Um, because, you know, holiness is attractive, as Matthew Kelly says. It's beautiful. Um and so, yeah, this was, this was an awesome podcast, Jen. <laughs> a lot of fun. It really is. And it's been an awesome series. Um, mm-hmm. May I ask all of you who are listening to this podcast, since it's a four-part series, that we have a playlist on YouTube. If you go to Patchwork Heart Ministry on YouTube, you'll see the playlist for our Hearts Burning Within Us four-part series. And, and I'd ask you to share it with your diocese, your archdiocese, any groups or organizations, because, you know, Bill and I would love to come and do a talk for you about these topics to your youth groups or to your young adult groups. We would love to be more actively involved in that. Um, I'm so glad we wrote this book, Bill, and thank you so much for all you do. 
for this podcast and for our listeners too. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I want to remind everybody as well as we wrap up today uh, that uh, you can sign up for our newsletter over on our website. We really encourage you to do that. We've got a brand new uh, website or at least redesigned website, same same URL. You can uh, go right over to uh, patchworkheart.org and check that out. Um, and as you do that, uh, don't forget to check out our friends, uh, Fiat Ministry Network as well, fiatministrynetwork.tv. Uh, but until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry and the St. Raymond Donatus Foundation, may God bless you and your families. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.